Tonight is Yutes Kislev, and the Alter Rebbe said about tonight that anybody who celebrates this night receives a tremendous blessing. The blessing is like this. Alter Rebbe says, if you participate in my joy, I will lift you out of uh, constraints, out of discomfort, and bring you to abounding relief. I'll lift you out of deep darkness and bring you to a great light. Then he said, I'll lift you out of Gehenna. So just by coming here tonight and participating in the Simcha Valt Rebbe, we receive tremendous, tremendous blessing. Um, there is, a, in general, the Gemara says that you don't, um, you don't ask halacha questions from Hashem. Usually any question of halacha you're supposed to figure out with your own intelligence. The Torah is not in heaven, so you're not supposed to use uh, prophecy to figure out halacha. Halacha is supposed to be figured out by human being. There are exceptions to the rule. For example, the Gemara says that Beishamai and Beishilil, when they had an argument, so Beishamai was sh- clearly sharper than Beishil. Their, their school was clearly more intelligent. But they were, because they were more intelligent, they were more scarce, and so there were more students from, Sham, from Hillel school, and therefore the halacha follows the majority. On the other hand, Shammai school was more intelligent. So, who do you follow? It's an interesting question, right? Fascinating question, right? So, they didn't know what to do. So, a voice came out from heaven, and the voice said, interesting answer from heaven. The interesting answer from heaven was, because they have more humility, they get closer to the truth, and therefore the halacha follows Hillel. So, although they're not as intelligent, but they got the more accurate answer because of their, their humility. So that's an example of something which was determined by a heavenly voice. So there's a, actually a book written by a man named Rabbi Yaakov Halevi. He lived in the time of the Tosfos. He lived in the 11, 12, 1300s. I'm not sure exactly what century, but um, there's a tradition from the Baal Shem Tev that all of the uh, uh, Torah books written till the year of the Pogrom of uh, the which was 50 years before the birth of Baal Shem Tev, all the books of Torah written until that time, written with, written with divine prophecy. So this book was by Rabbi Yaakov Alevi, had an interesting uh, method. What he would do was, he had access to divine names, he had access to angels. I know exactly how his mechanism worked. I definitely, definitely would like to copy it, but it's very, very tightly copyrighted. What he would do was, he would ask questions to Hashem at night. Oh. Rabbi Eleven again is interrupting the class. Sorry. Uh, I'll, I'll it, I'll so, sorry about that. Okay, so he, 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 he would write down questions every night. Whenever he had a question, he would write down the questions and he would get an answer. Clear answers from heaven. Every time he had a question, he would get answers from heaven. He wrote a whole book called Questions and Answers from Heaven. And it's not just a book about like philosophical questions, the questions about halacha, which generally you don't look to heaven for halacha questions, but this was an exception. And his rulings are considered very weighty rulings discussed by codifiers of Jewish law. And he, he generally does not write any dates about the questions that he asks. He doesn't write about any significance of any date. And the few dates that he mentions in the book, doesn't, he doesn't mention their significance. Only one day he says, this is the day. I heard from, I got a message from Hashem, that this is a day of good tidings, a day of good news. And what day is that? The day of Yutes Kislev. So Yutes Kislev, which is 
And he already got a message from Hashem then, hundreds and hundreds of years before the Alter Rebbe was arrested, and uh, this is the day of good tidings. And um, as I mentioned, it's a day that Hashem listens to us and answers us just by joining in the Simcha of the Alter Rebbe. It's a day we can ask for all good things. In fact, the Alter Rebbe said, uh, before he passed away, he said, I know my Ganeidin. In other words, he knew what was in store for him. I know, he says, I know, I know my Ilm Haba. I give it all away so that you should answer a, the most wicked person like you answer a complete tzaddik on Yom Kippur. So it's, 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 it's a day when the gates are open to ask for good things, and not just good news on a spiritual level, but we call it Rosh Hashanah. It's called Rosh Hashanah of Hasidus. So calling Rosh Hashanah emphasizes how just, it's just like Rosh Hashanah is a time when Hashem determines what's going to happen physically, so it's not just a spiritual yantif, it's also a yantif which brings blessings on a, on a physical level. The... Um, there were Hasidim that were living in Brisk, and they hadn't, uh, uh, they felt they didn't celebrate Tiskisi properly when the Reb Rashab gave out, it was a year where the Reb Rashab wrote a letter explaining how Tiskisi is Rosh Hashanah for Hasidis. It's a letter you could read it in the beginning of the Hayom Yom, it's printed there. And so when Hasidim heard that, they went wild, they were so excited, they made a whole different kind of fabrengas that year. So the Hasidim in Brisk, didn't uh, didn't hear about it until months after Yitzchak because the way you know it wasn't like it was posted on online or something. So mm-hmm. so so they want they, they asked Chaim of Brisk, they're thinking of celebrating Yitzchak on Shushan Purim. So Chaim Brisk said it's not a good idea, not a good idea because Yitzchak is such a great yantiv, it should have its own day. It shouldn't just be associated with Shushan Purim. It should be its own day. And uh, he was you know he was the the, the, the top of the you know, the Litvish uh, camp. And he said, Tiskilsev, that's, that's a day by itself. Also, B'chaim Ezer. B'chaim Ezer uh, lived closer to our time, last Rechaz uh, Grudinsky. So he, um, he was once, some, someone in, on his bez, in his rabbinic court, said to B'chaim Ezer, you know, the Hasidim, they call their Yantiv Rosh Hashanah. The B'chaim Ezer said, interestingly, uh, he said, by us, we're, we're constantly losing things. They are by the Hasidim. There's an addition. There's bracha. There's new revelations. So don't don't mess with those guys. They, they got something going for them. Anyways, so uh, in in this letter of the um, of the Rebbe Hashab, he um, he mentions how the revelations of Hasidus on Shashan, on Tzkislev is revelation of teachings of the Baal Shem Tev. and he says not just it's also teachings of the Baal Shem Tev, He says it in a very like this, this Kislev is a time when the revelation of Al Shem Tev's teachings happened. Which is interesting because the Alter Rebbe was only one of the students of the Mzitsha Magid, who was a successor of the Baal Shem Tev, and there are many other students. So how can we call this Kislev the Shoshana of Hasidish in general, when it would seem that it's specifically a Chabad holiday, so the teachings of, of Chabad Hasidus, not necessarily teachings of uh, all of Hasidus. So one thing to um, one thing that sheds light on this is uh, the Rebbeivitz Berdichev said about the Alter Rebbe. He said about him that we all learned from Zitcher Market. He was a Rebbe of everybody, but we all ate from the same bowl. But he got the smetana. He got the juicy parts. He got the seltzer with the, the berries. He, he, he got the really juicy. He, he got the best part. So what that means is, is that the Baal Shantiv reveals this, 
But then there's a choice part. Then there's, and, and there's the, the intention of the Baal Shem Tov. The intention of the Baal Shem Tov when revealing Chassidus wasn't just that we should have this great, nice philosophy, but Yisparnosumineh. Yisparnosumineh is the word to the Zohar about, about tasting and, 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 and being nourished by teaching to Chassidus. Not just something that's, that, that's, that's, you know, like, it's beautiful and it's, and it's uh, magical, and, but Yisparnosumineh, you should have to taste it and, and, and live with it. So that was accomplished through the Alter Rebbe specifically because he um, actually brought Hasidus in a way that you could understand it through his system Chabad. Uh, Chabad, in, in, as we all know, is an acronym for Chacham Bin Vadas, the ability to create an idea, to comprehend an idea, and to connect with an idea. So it shouldn't just be just you know, lofty things, but it should make sense in a way that, that, that really becomes part of who you are. So an interesting thing also is the Alter Rebbe um, before his teacher passed away, tonight's also the anniversary of the passing of Mizitcha Magid, the successor of the Al Shamta. Mizitcha mm. Magid told the Alter Rebbe before he passed away, he said, Yutes Kislev, the 19th of Kislev is our day of celebration. That was the day before he passed away, and before his student was, was ever sent to prison, but he already said then, before his passing, the 19th of Kislev is our day of celebration. It's it, it's significant for both of us. So, so we see a unique bond between the Alter Rebbe and the Mzitcha Magad. And the Mzitcha Magad actually asked the Alter Rebbe to make a code of Jewish law, which is which is um, cited all over the world. So you see a, a, a unique bond between between the Alter Rebbe and the Mzitcha Magad. Most fascinating thing to me is this is, is unbelievable. The, the Friedrich Rebbe writes how a story that happened in the time of the Baal Shem Tov, I'm sorry, before the Shem Tov's birth, excuse me, that the the Roshandu's father, I believe Eliezer, he met a Malach on the night that his wife went to the mikveh, telling him about the Neshama that was going to be born. And the night that that her mikveh night was nineteen night what's nine months before Chayelo? Yutes Kislev. Yutes Kislev was in Lil Tvila was in, was the night that the uh, mother of the Baal Shemtiv went to mikveh. Mm-hmm. So, so, so you see a very unique bond between the Baal Shantiv and and the Alter Rebbe and the teachings of Chassidus. Okay, so Chassidus is is was revealed tonight, and it's a day of a Yantiv. But what exactly is Chassidus, and what's so good about it, and why 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 are you supposed to like be so into it? Is it from Kabbalah? Some people say that that Chassidus is about revelation of Kabbalah. So okay, some people say that's a great thing about Chassidus. What else do we know about Chassidus? But what, when you say someone's a Chassid, what do you think of? Follower. Okay. The Gemara says a chassid is somebody who goes beyond himself to help people. He, he, he even is ready to like give of himself to help people. Um, there's another thing about chassidus. It says that after the pogrom that I mentioned, which was 50 years, a series of pogroms that Chlonitsky, uh, uh led Cossacks throughout Europe and, and killed so many Jews. So after that, those pogroms, Jewish people were in a state of like, of fainting. They were in a state of they didn't, they didn't have any energy to continue. And just like when it says in, in Kabbalah and Chassidus that when someone faints, how do you revive them? You say their name. Say their name. So Hashem sent the Nisham Baal Shem to his Nisham's name is Yisrael. So Hashem gave the Jewish people a he revived them by saying our name, saying our name spiritually by giving the Jewish people the name their name, giving them the Baal Shem whose name is Yisrael. So studying Chassidus has the power of reviving. 
I'm sure most of you have heard the famous, famous uh, marshal, the parable of Rebbe, um, about the crown, crown jewel. Just in short, the, um, the in time of the time of the Mizrachi Magid, there was a student of Mizrachi Magid whose name was Pinchas of Koretz. Pinchas of Koretz was a very, very uh, one of the top students of the, of the Magid, and he was upset because he saw a paper uh, which had all these deep secrets of Torah on it, and it was and it was just like outside on the ground, and he was very upset about it. So he said, like he felt like. These teachings being revealed, not being appreciated. So it's like, what, what are you doing this for? So the Magid told his student, al Rebbe, to answer him. Now, al Rebbe gave the following parable. The parable was about a king who sent his son on a, on a hunting trip. And his son gets very badly hurt in the hunting trip. And the king's doctors are unable to find a cure. And the king's doctors uh, consult. And they come to the king and they say, Your Majesty, we have good news and bad news. The good news is, we found the cure for your son. The bad news is that it's a very rare gem. We don't know where it is. And that gem, if you can crush it up and make it into a medicine, that, that will cure your son. So the king's like, so, so go, to my store, my, go to my treasure house and find the gem. So they go to the king's treasure house and they and look for the gem. They come back to the king after a few hours or days. They say, your majesty, we got good news and got bad news. The good news is that we found the stone. The bad news is it's in your crown. It's the crown jewel. The king says, what's a, what's a question? My son's life is at stake. Of course, take the crown, take the jewel, and crush it up and, and, and make the medicine for my son. But that, uh, before they're about to put the crown into the blender, the, 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 the top uh, doctor tells the king, your majesty, just one, one thing to think about before we do this. Your son is, is, is far sicker uh, than, than um, being helped by medicine. He's so sick that we don't think he'll be able to even swallow the medicine. Mm-hmm. So the king says, do it anyways, because maybe one drop will go in, that drop will, go, will be enough to, to revive my son. That's, that's what the altar said it happened to the Jewish people. Hashem sends the Jewish people and the Shem of the Jewish people at the end of exile in a hunting trip to deal with all kinds of wild kinds of Yetzirah, evil inclinations that didn't exist before. And Hashem, in order to give us the strength to overcome these kinds of challenges, Hashem gives us something deeper. What does He give us? He, give us, he gives us the, the crown jewel of Hashem. And that the purpose of this crown jewel is to help us, to, 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 to revive us, and to help us withstand the greatest darkness of exile. The Shalah writes that all the, all the uh, Yomim Tevim, all the holidays, are connected to the Torah portions that they are read in. So this Yontif Kislev always falls out in Vayishlach and Vayeshev. Vayishlach and Vayeshev is always a time that is read. So, there, there are generally two explanations about why Chassidus was revealed in our time specifically, even though previous generations were head and shoulders above us. One reason is, as I mentioned, because we have more challenges than they, than they did. They didn't have to worry about making a Facebook app on their phone, not making a Facebook app on their phone, among other kinds of things. So therefore, we needed more strength than they do. We needed more, something more. We needed something deeper in order to help us survive. That's one reason. We have more challenges, more darkness. That's why we need more, something deeper from Hashem to give us the strength. That's one reason given. Another reason that's given is that it's precisely because we are about to enter the time of Mashiach. So the halacha is that before Shabbos, you're supposed to taste from the foods of Shabbos. So since we're about to enter into the great wedding between us and Hashem, so you have to put on the jewels. And the jewels are the, the, the teachings of Chassid. So it's, so it's for a positive reason. It's two opposite Reasons because it's in the world in the words in the words of the uh, the best of times 
And the worst of times, because we're about to enter the zone of Mashiach, therefore we need to have the most beautiful thing of Torah. And because of the greatest challenges, the greatest darkness at the end of exile, therefore it's, it's needed more now as well. Okay, but how does it work? What does it do exactly? And how does it really change? Um, how is it a game changer? What does it really do? So I want to share one example of, um, uh, of how Chassidus does this. Before I do, I just want to, as I mentioned, it's, it's connected to the Parsha of the Week. So in last week's parsha, if you remember, Yaakov uh, went back after he brought his family uh, across the, the Mavra Yavik, and he went back where he fought with the angel. Why did he go back? So it says he went back for the small jugs, right? So Hasidus explains the small jugs that Yaakov went back for on that night represents the night of exile, at the end of exile, and there's just a little bit left to be done. And Yaakov goes back to, do, to take care of the, 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 that night, the hardest part, was to fight with the angel. That represents the Jew going to contending with the, deepest, the, the most difficult task at the end of exile. So that's one reason this is revealed. It's the end of the night. It's the hardest time. Another reason Yaakov goes back, he went, what does the Torah say? Yaakov was alone. The idea of Yaakov being alone is reminiscent of the Messianic age when there will be a revelation of how Hashem is alone. So Yaakov being alone is about the highest revelation, and it's about the lowest times, darkness and light at the same time, because it's, the idea of is being revealed again, it's, it's, it's the end of exile, to help us withstand the end of exile, and also to prepare, prepare to come to Mashiach. So, how does it work? How does Chassid do that? What is Chassid, and how does it do it? And um, I want to just give one example, um, and you'll see how, how Chassid changes the way, uh, that just changes it. Chassid is Chassidus is called, there are three schools of thought in, in Judaism. There's Musr, Chakira, and Chassidus. Musr is, talks about um, the denigrity that deprecates physical pleasure and deprecates how bad it is to have arrogance and to lie and talks about the negativity of, 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 of bad character. And Chakira, philosophy, talks about um, Hashem's choice and Hashem's knowledge and it talks about the, the unique role of the Jewish people, it talks about very lofty philosophical concepts. Uh, Hashem's knowledge versus his choice, versus free choice. So Musr is called a force. It's a force. You study the teachings of Musr, and you feel pushed, like, i got to do something different. Chakira is called light, because you study all these, these, these you know, mystical concepts, it's uplifting. Hasidus is called chayas, energy, vitality. It doesn't, it's not, a, it's not a push, it's not a, it's just something illumin, luminous and at a distance, it's something which, which vivifies you, which energizes you, which gives you, which gives you energy. So the example that we're going to discuss tonight is Meida'ani. Meida'ani is an important thing to do, it's the foundation of the day, Baal Shem Tov actually says that the way you say Meida'ani, the way the whole day goes. The Rebbe actually once said, you could test me, the Rebbe said, you'll see, if you say Meida'ani with Kavana, you think about how Hashem, how we say Meida'ani, how Hashem is in charge of the whole world, and he brought, 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 brought me back uh, my neshama, and you'll see how the whole day is different. Anyway, so Meida'ani, what is Meida'ani about? What, is, what are we thanking Hashem when we say Meida'ani? So there's a, in Torah, there are generally four levels of interpreta- interpretation. There's Pshat, Remez, Drush, and Said. Four levels. What's chassidus? Which level is chassidus? So you said it's Said, right? But it's more than Said. Chassidus actually, 
it's correct. That's also said, but it, and that's that's unique. This is said too, but this isn't just said. This illuminates all four levels of Torah. Let's go through through three explanations made the ani in the three levels, and then we'll see how this gives some energy into it. The simple meaning of made the ani is anybody. What's made ani about? What do you think? Hashem for? Pick me up. You're alive. Exactly. I'm alive. That's made ani. You thank Hashem before you have a clap of salt, or you thank Hashem for the greatest pleasure of all, alive. The previous Rebbe actually once said that human nature is when you wake up in the morning, you start worrying. And why do you worry? I thought it was just me. The previous Rebbe said this is the way people wake up in the morning, all, all, all of a sudden start worrying. And he said because, the reason you start worrying is because you're in the Shaman departs, and what's left in, in you just the clip that starts to, to hang out in, in the body as soon as the, the neshama departs and go to sleep. And therefore, you have to wash your hands immediately when you wake up to get rid of the negative energy of klipa. It's, 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 uh, it, anyways, so we start off your day, before you start worrying, you say, Maidani, thank Hashem that you're alive. That's a simple meaning of the, and the Baal says the whole day is connected to that moment. That's a simple meaning of Maidani. Then there's the Rem as a Maidani. At the end of Maidani, we say, Great is your faithfulness. It also means great is our faith in you. Two meanings. Rabbi Munasacha means great is your faithfulness. And Rabbi Munasacha also means we have a great faith in you. So the Ramaz Medani is sleep is called the 60th of death. So waking up in the morning and realizing how Hashem has just given me back my soul, that is a Ramaz, that's a taste of how things will be when Sheikh will come and everyone will come alive again. So Medani reinforces my faith in the resurrection of the dead. That's the Ramaz Medani. Then there's a Drush. Is a homiletical interpretation of Maidani. Great is your faithfulness. How simple idea of great is your faithfulness is, you're always giving back my neshama despite whatever I may owe you. So let's say, in halacha, let's say Ruvain owes Shimon $1,000. And I'm not picking on Ruvain, just in Jewish uh, thought, you always pick on Ruvain. It's always Ruvain and Shimon. I don't know why. My, one of my teachers in school told me it's because since Ruvain. Uh, did something, so we want to give Reuven a kapara, therefore we always make fun of Reuven, he did this and he did that, whatever. So anyway, so, so uh, let's, uh, Reuven owes Shimon $1,000. Shimon lent Reuven his car. Reuven, sorry, Reuven borrows from Shimon $1,000. I'm sorry, Shimon borrows from Reuven $1,000, and Reuven borrows Shimon's car. You got it? Reuven lent Shimon $1,000, no, sorry. So, that's in the, my, 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 my. <laughs> Baruch Hashem. My, my, my wife went uh, today to uh, New York for a bar mitzvah. So I'm, I'm lucky I'm still uh, uh, figuring out something is coherent. Anyway, so Ruvain and Shimon. Ruvain has Shimon's car, and Shimon owes Ruvain $1,000. So what does High Finance say? High Finance says, um, you want your car back? Okay, so you owe me some money. Come back to me for the keys when you have the money. That's what high finance would say. What does halacha say? Halacha says we learned from Meida'ani that that's not the way you should do business. What does halacha say? Halacha says like this. I owe you money. It's one thing. It's one transaction. And it's an independent transaction that I borrowed your car. It's two different things. So I cannot confiscate your car until you pay me the money. It, there's something called collateral. Collateral is when you give me the. If I, if I would have taken the car as collateral for the loan, then that's fair. But I'm not allowed to arbitrarily decide that the car is in my possession. I'm going to hold on to it. Mm. Where do we learn this from? From Medani. Uh, we give Hashem a deposit of our Nisham every night when we go to sleep. And we owe Hashem for so many things. 
So Hashem doesn't say to us, hey, I shall hold on to your neshama because you owe me. Hashem is faithful to us every day. He gives us back our neshama, despite whatever we owe Hashem. Okay. So those are three levels of interpretation of Medan. I'm not going to go into the Kabbalistic one, even though the Echzizim illuminates that one also, uh, uh, because it's a little um, harder for me to explain. I don't get it myself. Okay, fine. <laughs> so, um, what does Chassidus say about Meidani? Chassidus says something amazing about Meidani. Chassidus says, when you say Meidani in the morning, you don't mention God's name. Why don't you mention Hashem's name? So the simple reason you don't say Hashem's name in, in Jewish law, it says, you haven't washed your hands yet. How can you say Hashem's name before washing your hands? That's a simple meaning. So what's a deeper meaning? It says, Hayom Yom, Yom, Shvat. says, Hayom Yom, the reason that you don't um, say, say Hashem's name is because Hashem's name, each name of Hashem describes something about Hashem. Hashem's greatness, Hashem's transcendence, Hashem's omniscience, each name represents something that we know about Hashem. But Hashem himself is beyond names. There was a very, very great tzaddik called the Rivosh. He was one of the early codifiers of Jewish law. And he said, I pray like a child. I pray like a baby. Because whenever you try to define Hashem, you're missing something. So each name of Hashem, although it accentuates some quality of Hashem, something that we need to be conscious of, and that's why we use those names, but it also covers something deeper about Hashem. It defines Hashem in some way, which is which is limit, limiting Hashem. In other words, the Gemara says, when the place you find Hashem's greatness, you find His humility. When we're talking about Hashem's greatness, we're really talking about the way Hashem is somehow defined and limited, the way we could appreciate Him. But the true greatness of Hashem is beyond any, any description. So, Ma'ida'ani does not have any name of Hashem. Why? Because it's higher than names. And that's why you could say it when your hands are still impure, because no impurity in the world can impurify the Ma'ida'ani vidu. It comes from the essence of the Neshama, the essence of Hashem. So, what is Chasidis? Chassidus is, is touching on the essence of a Jew. The pshat, the simple meaning made the ani, touches what's called the nefesh of a Jew, the, the most external part of the Jew, which ha, is how we function, how we live. Then there is a deeper part, the ruach, our feelings, neshama, our understanding, chaya, our, our drive, and yechida is the essence of the Jew. So the meaning of Chassidus transinvigorates, illuminates, and vivifies the simple meaning of made the ani. How so? There was a chassid, his name was Ekusil um, Lepler. Ekusil Lepler was a chassid al Rebbe, and he was a tremendous scholar. And uh, a certain incident occurred. What happened was, was that he and his wife, they had this store, and this non-Jew had bought something, and they realized that they overcharged the non-Jew two copics. So they realized this, he and his wife realized this in the middle of the night, and Ekusil Lepler felt terrible, they overcharged the non-Jew two copics, and so he told his wife, he's going to go to the next town in the blizzard. It wasn't an unusual blizzard, just every day in Russia was a blizzard. And, <laughs> and, there, and he goes, and he's going to go to two miles, to walk two miles to the town next door, and give the, goy, the non-Jew back his two copics. He, he walks to the, to the, there he comes, I don't know what time, in the morning, two in the morning, whatever time it was, he knocks on the door. What, 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 what's going on? Did you buy some uh, nails from our store? Yes. Did you pay um, 10 copics? Yeah, it was 8. Here. And he goes back. <laughs> and uh, and this, this non-Jewish couple he had visited were blown away by his honesty. And they told this to their friends. And their friends told to their friends. Until the whole entire town was talking about the honesty of Xilapur. It caused such a great Kiddush Hashem. It sanctified God's name so much that the Alter Rebbe told Xilapur he wants to give him a blessing. And he said to him, he wants to bless him with long life. Xil Lepler, you can tell he's an unusual guy, right? See, Xil Lepler told the Alt Rebbe, 
I don't want this blessing unless I have years that are not like a peasant. I don't want to have years where I don't see or feel godliness. So that's what he said. But it doesn't make sense. Why would he say that? He's giving him a blessing. Say thank you. If you want to ask for something more, ask something more. But why are you saying I don't want it? When we say in the morning, I thank Hashem for being alive. What are we really thanking Hashem for? Look at the words of Meidani carefully. I thank you, Hashem. The king lives forever. You've given back to me what? Nishmasi. What does Nishmasi mean? My Nisham. Why my Nisham? Give me back a Nisham. Why my Nisham? I have the best Nisham in the world. This is, uh, my Nisham is a 2019 model that's been the 2.0 Nisham. There's many kinds of Nishams. Why, why do I want this one? We're thanking Hashem that we're Jewish. We thank Hashem that we're we are that we are that we're royalty. That we are for for a prince, life means being connected to his father, the king. Being alive but not being connected to the king for a king is for a prince is he doesn't want that kind of life. That's not called life for him. Similarly, when we're thanking Hashem that we're alive, we're not thanking Hashem for all, that we're alive. We're thanking Hashem that we're Jewish. We're thanking Hashem that we have connection to him. So so what has Chassid done over here? He hasn't changed the simple meaning. We're thanking Hashem that we're alive, but to redefine what life. Life means. Well, alive means that I'm a Jew and I have a bond with Hashem. That's what Meidani is. We're thanking Hashem that we're alive. What, what does it mean alive mean? Alive means that we're, we're, we're God's children. And that's what you see Leffler. He didn't say to Al Rebbe, I want a different present. I don't like that present. For him, that wasn't life. Life means being connected to Hashem. So if he would have a life where he wouldn't be able to appreciate that, for him, that was, that's, not, that's, that's, something that, that's not a present at all. We'd rather not, that, rather not have such a thing. Okay. Uh, then there is the Rebbe's Meidani. Tchiyas HaMesim. Come on, Tchiyas HaMesim. Tchiyas HaMesim is far from what getting up in the morning. Getting up in the morning, we do it every single day. It doesn't seem as incredible as Tchiyas HaMesim. Tchiyas HaMesim sounds like, wow. Moshe, Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, and all the That's incredible. Getting up in the morning is not such a wow. Or isn't it? It depends on your perspective. Looking at it from a human perspective... So there is a quantum leap between getting up in the morning and the resurrection of the dead. But looking at it from the perspective of the essence of the neshama, looking from the perspective of who, of, of, from a Jewish, not just a Jewish, from the core of the neshama, there's not such a far difference between waking up in the morning and Tchies Because the neshama recognizes the incredible idea of waking up, that the neshama and the body are, are, are light years apart, and Hashem binds them together. Which is, by the way, the reason we say when we say Asher Yatsa, we say, says, God does wonders every moment that the Neshama is bound with the body. So that is an incredible thing. And Chesem Esim, where Hashem will renew the, renew the body and renew the Neshama and connect them, isn't that different. It's only different when you look at it from, a, from, from the other part of the Neshama. We look at it from the very core of the essence of your Neshama, so then it's, 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 it's not so far apart. It's only far apart from, a, from, a, from looking at it from a more logical, limited perspective. But looking at it from the logic of the essence of your neshama, you, I was imagine if you actually saw, I'll give you an example, um, the musician Magid, was one, before he became a follower of the Baal Shem Tev, he once visited the Baal Shem Tev, and the Baal Shem Tev asked him to explain to him a certain passage in Kabbalah. So Magid's like, this is the meaning. He's talking, he's talking, there's a passage about angels. So he starts telling him, this, 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 is the, this, this is what this means, this is what that means. And as he's talking to the Baal Shem Tev, he's like, that's not what it's. That's, that's not correct. That's not correct. And 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 he says, okay, let me try again. And he says a deeper meaning. You got it wrong. So, Bachshanov says, let me. So Magid finally gives up. He says, okay, tell me. So Bachshanov says, this is this is this this is the meaning of the angel. And all of a sudden, as he says, this is the meaning of the angel. The angel comes. And this is the meaning of the, that angel. And that angel comes. And the room is filled with angels. 
so Baal Shem Tev actually told him, it wasn't you were incorrect, it's that you was missing some vitality in what you were saying. So, Meida'ani, is it far off from Tchiyas HaMesim? From one perspective, it is. But looking at it from a deeper perspective, the Neshama, imagine you could see Hashem putting your Neshama in your body every morning. Then you wouldn't feel so far away from Tchiyas HaMesim. Getting to our third interpretation, I'm putting everyone to sleep already, so I'll just do the last one. No, no, keep on going all night. All right, fine. The third... <laughs> The third meaning of Meida'ani is, is, is that the, the drush, that just like Hashem gives us back our neshama, even though we owe him, so too halacha is, even though someone owes you uh, money, you still have to give them back whatever they deposited with you. Why? Why? If they owe me something, and I'm holding something that belongs to them, why can I use that as a leverage to get what's owed to me? Why do I have to do that? In other words, why why do I look at these tra- two transactions as as independent? Then I mean when the same. So you have your yechida shining, Baruch Hashem. So you look at the, you look at it, this. This is one halacha. There's another halacha. They're, they're not connected to each other. But from a human perspective, from a rational perspective, so it, it, it's they're sure they're connected. What are you talking about? He owes me. I should have paid him. But looking at it from the Torah perspective, from the, the neshama's perspective, this is two different mitzvahs. I just remember the story the previous Rebbe said about the Chassid, I think it was the Alter Rebbe, he used to always give people, lend people money. And he never would ask for anything back. He used to say, my mitzvah is to lend. Your mitzvah is to pay it back. It's, two different mitzvahs. it's not my mitzvah. You have your mitzvah, I have my mitzvah. That's halacha in general. If, if someone owes you money, you're not okay. supposed to uh, be in their face and make them uncomfortable. Okay, yeah. so so uh, so we see how Chassidus transforms and it, it doesn't change the, the, the literal meaning of the Torah, but it gives different life into it. And so too, Chassidus gives a different life into, in, into every, every facet of Yiddishkeit. Chassidus transforms the meaning of, of Av Sisral. Um, but it, the night is, uh, is not young anymore, so I won't go through every single uh, part of what Chassidus does, but just I want to mention one more, and that is Chassidus makes us conscious of Hashem's presence in the world. The idea of divine providence that Hashem isn't just, just a someone that we serve, but Hashem is part of our life, that's something that we get from Chassidus. This infuses us with the recognition of Kael Olam, not just that God is the God of the world, but that everything we do has a godly energy in it. And has a godly, it, it, Chassidus reveals a godly energy in everything. And that's why the Baal Shem was told by Mashiach, when Mashiach come, Mashiach will come when the teachings of the Baal Shem Tov and Chassidus will be revealed. Why? What's Mashiach about? Mashiach is about how Hashem's presence will be revealed in the world. How do we get to that moment? By learning Chassidus, because Chassidus gives us that insight in the godliness and everything. Chassidus reveals, everyone said like this, a Jewish child is, is in Manhattan, and he's thirsty. He wants some soda, and an ice cream truck passes by, and his father gets him a soda. So the child says a bracha on the, on the, on the soda. He says, Sha'akol niyabivari. What Sha'akol niyabivari mean? He, by saying those words, the child reveals in the truck and the driver of the truck and the whole, in the, that corner of Manhattan and the whole Manhattan, the whole world, Sha'akol niyabivari, that everything is created by God's word. That's, that, that, that's, a, that's what Chassidus gives us, that, that, that feeling, the power of what, you, what happens when you say a bracha, the power of what happens when you do a mitzvah, the inner meaning and vitality of, of every Jewish experience. There's a lot to say, but I'll let you guys go. Um, any questions, comments, criticism, tomatoes, cucumbers? Mm-hmm.